Hello and welcome. I am your host, Jason, and this is The Real Heroes of E-Commerce. In this podcast, we flip the script and sit down with real consumers to get their perspective on marketing and online shopping. I hope it inspires ideas and strategies for your own e-commerce business. In this episode, we are talking about conscious consumerism, and no, not the idealistic, unattainable version, but what it looks like in a real practical family from Ohio. I hope you enjoy. Okay, on today's show, we have Natalie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you today. I mean, who doesn't love talking about um, shopping? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, we talked earlier and you are what you would call a conscious consumer. So mm-hmm. we're going to dig into that and, and learn everything about how you view shopping online and, and all those companies that are trying to get to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from the education space. I was an elementary educator for 14 years and was forced out of that space throughout the pandemic and motherhood. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, um, have moved in towards the environmental and entrepreneurship space. And, um, but today I'm going to really speak to myself as a mother and as the main purchaser of the home, Mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, me, eliminating certain elements of my diet, um, and making choices for my children have really shaped, um, my purchasing choices throughout our entire lives Mm -hmm. from what further than what, just what we eat, but from the, um, medications we consume, the drinks we consume, the things that we take with us to take care of us when we're going on trips and things like that. So, um, I'm pretty much across the board, a, eco (laughs) consumer, um, you can pretty much guarantee I'm going to check you out. If you have a green leaf somewhere on your packaging, I'm going to go, okay, let's see. Let's see how green you are. I'm I'm a label reader, a reader, excuse me. I'm a label reader. Um, I'm not an expert because I believe that probably takes a few degrees, but (laughs) in chemistry and all that, but I, I try my best. Uh, to make sure my family is around things that will help them more than it will harm them. Have you always been this way when it comes to shopping? No, Mm -mm. I I very much was the college student that ate ramen crackers and salsa with cheese on top and called that a meal. Still Um, delicious. (laughs) I never said no to free pizza. Um, I was, I was, I've always been thrifty. I've always been the person that goes to uh, the the clearance rack (laughs) of every store. So I've always been thrifty and conscious um, of my purchases, Um, not necessarily out of necessity, but just of uh, it's my money and, and I'm conscious of how I spend it. So I've always been kind of the deal searcher. I've always been the one that would hunt for the coupon code. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't buy anything unless you have some kind of discount. <laughs> right. So that's always been me. Um, but the eco stuff didn't, the, the eco conscious type piece didn't come till much later um, as an educator and uh, a nature-based educator. I learned a lot about the planet and where things are going and in teaching the young minds of our world about the way the world works, mm-hmm. um, you start to realize your place in that. And well, wait, am I, am I practicing what I'm preaching here? Here I am teaching nine and 10 year olds to garden and, and (laughs) eat fresh foods and to, um, uh, 
you know, watch the fragrances that they're using if they have asthma and letting mom's parents know, Hey, you know, that might make it worse for them. Um, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I became an educator, um, in that route, just from the families I was connected to. Okay. When was that? Um, well, my last year of teaching was May, May of 2020 was when I resigned from my teaching position mm-hmm. and I have been in nature-based and STEM-based education and project-based education since I began my career in 2006. Okay. So, um, gardening with children and doing practices that are good for the soil and the environment became a part of my curriculum. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you want to be a a steward (laughs) of those values. And, uh, you know, you start to see the impact of the impact of consumerism on families and children. You start to see the impact that uh, the just lunch purchases and and the mood of children when they eat certain foods and things, you know, I, I looped with the classes I was with. I mean, that means I was with the same group of children for more than one grade, Mm -hmm. um, which was a magical experience. I don't think you'd ever find a teacher that would ever say that experience is bad. Every teacher that gets to experience that it's pretty, um, impactful, Mm -hmm. but in that, uh, you start to see dietary habits and you start to see environmental factors that are outside of a child's control and how it, affects their behavior and their development, um, hyperactivity. You mean with um, like eating too much sugars or? Oh yeah. Um, processed food, mostly processed food. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't even say sugar. Like, I mean, we baked and cooked and had hot cocoa, homemade hot cocoa and things like that. And it was a really calm and lovely experience making hot cocoa with your class and kids. Mm-hmm. However, it was mostly the processed foods. It was the kids that had a package for every item. Okay. Um, those are the ones that packages. Yes. Individually wrapped, highly processed, the things you can buy, you know, a whole box of 50 bags of, um, packaged goods for, you know, $10 or something. Um, those kids had, I, I, my minor is in child development as well. So I do have a medical piece to my education mm-hmm. background. So I started to notice, just lackluster skin, sallow eyes, their attention would be off. They would get agitated more frequently. These kids would lose steam, get tired, fall asleep. Um, and, and this is, these are families I knew closely. I knew that kids were getting to bed on time, that their parent, like there wasn't any other environmental factors because I was on the first name basis with these families that, mm. um, you know, Hey, they're really not doing too hot. They were, they would get ill more frequently. Um, they would not bounce back from illness as quickly. And like I said, this is over the course of of 14 years of anecdotal evidence. I mean, I'm not a a, a scientist, um, by, by paper, (laughs) but I'm definitely a questioner and a, well, why is that? Why is that? And how did you approach the parents of these children? Well, a lot of times that's not my space. Okay. It just isn't professionally. My job was to act tr- to teach these children academically. So what I tried to do was work the ends I could, which is we, when we grew things, we grew five different types of tomatoes. We, we had a cold, we live in Ohio. 
Um, we had a cold weather garden with kales and collard greens and lettuces. And we made, we ate those foods in class mm-hmm. um, and talked about the nutrition. And, and I, I, I went that angle and went the educational route so that the children be- can become empowered. So when they're with their parents, they can go, oh, hey, those are greenhouse tomatoes. I like those. Mm-hmm. So that's the, the route I went. Um, there was a couple of families that of course, they were comfortable enough to share and ask my opinion. Um, and I would give what I could, um, share what I could, but at the end of the day, it was more anecdotal and observation. And then it turned into a very strict purchasing power when I had my own children. Okay. Let's go into that. Yeah. (laughs) So how old are your kids now? They're six and seven. Okay. So when you had kids and you were thinking about their diets and stuff, what, how did you approach, you know, purchasing, let's just start with the diet stuff and then go okay. into other products. All right. Well, I know I wanted to start with whole foods. I know I wanted to only use like canned packaged foods, like in times of emergency or travel, um, only because I knew that the closest you are to the actual item, the less uh, how do I want to say this? The less fertilizers, the less processing, the less traveling, the more nutrition the item would have. So for example, I would consistently buy organic fruits and vegetables, steam them, puree them and freeze them for my kids. Um, we, so for my son, um, who's the younger one, you know, you always do a little bit better with the second round. <laughs> we subscribe to baby led weeding, which means they're peeking over there, um, which means that my son was given whole foods as a young toddler. Um, that was not a choking hazard. You know, he'd be gnawing on big, big chunks of celery and getting that nutrition. And it's also a really good teether by by the way, (laughs) if you have kids that are teething, a big old piece of celery works really great for those molars. Um, but I strictly, when I purchased milk for them, we tried different plant-based milks. We ended up going with, uh, or an organic milk, um, which meant a lot of budgeting and working around trying to find ways to do that, to eat (laughs) organically. Um, and I'm lucky in my area that we have a lot of farmers markets and we have, I'm, I'm not in a place that's called a food desert in which we only have a a 7-Eleven to eat from. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of options. So we're lucky in our location. How was it financially um, going mm-hmm. all organic and everything? Um, well, we were a two-income household. I was a full-time educator. My husband was a tradesman, full-time um, electrician. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, he has since uh, moved on to the more management end of things. And that has subscribed me the ability to be home. Um, <laughs> yes. I see them waving in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Go. Okay. No. Oh, I'm so sorry. No problem. So <laughs> they're used to my co-host who has oh. a child as well. So they're used to at least doing a little, Hey, Hey to him uh, <laughs> while I'm recording. They're not used to me being a guest. So thank you for <laughs> allowing that break. Uh, so I think that was a huge advantage is that we were a two income household. Um, and, uh, we lived in a 900 square foot home. (laughs) We lived very much within our means. Um, and 
there were sacrifices that were made, you know, with traveling and things like that in order to build up our children as toddlers and babies. And um, I think most people would agree that if you wanted to go that route, there would be things you'd have to switch around financially, especially now. Right. Okay. What about other types of products that you find important in your life and in your children's lives? Mm -hmm. Well, now what I'm finding is when I'm looking for things for my children, such as like bubble bath or a lotion, or um, I'm not just looking at the ingredients anymore. Now I'm also looking at packaging. Um, Is it recyclable? Um, We do have recycling in our town. I'm in Northeast Ohio near Akron, which is a major city. So we have the availability of recycling programs that are diverse. So um, that's something new that has popped up. Um, I mean, even down to the toothpaste, um, we don't, for example, um, my husband and I really like the super whitening toothpaste. It is not, the word organic has nothing to do with it. Um, (laughs) But that's the toothpaste and it comes in, you know, a a package and a box of plastic. And it's insane. The amount of packaging for a tube of toothpaste, that's like already packaged and ready to go. Mm. Um, so things like that irritate me. (laughs) The packaging on packaging, the packaging on packaging, the, the, uh, like the clear, even, um, the beyond meat, Mm -hmm. amazing marketing. They are really going the distance <laughs> when it comes to trying to bring a meat alternative to the market. And, and they're definitely a pioneer in that space. However, their packaging doesn't meet their, their story. Oh, okay. I mean, if they're really trying to avoid the use of, you know, all, they, they say, you know, impossible meat uses so much less water, which is true. Um, it's so much healthier on the environment. It doesn't release all the methane. Like I get it. Yes. I'm a per, I'm somebody that even though I'm not a plant-based eater, I would look at that, but it's covered in um, the the PET plastic. It's it's mm. not it's it's not recyclable, and that's something that I'm like, okay, well, who is your customer then? Is it just somebody who doesn't want to eat meat? Okay, they're in the market, but I guarantee that person who doesn't want to eat meat, they're part of their reason of not eat consuming meat is the environment. Mm -hmm. So there you are just canceling out all this good that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and what's another thing I, uh, subscribe to, um, a like sustainable marketing program. They send me a product a month and they are, they, use the least amount of packaging and all of it's recyclable, no matter what, every time they send me a package. Mm-hmm. What, what sort of products are they? Um, it is, for example, I have a bamboo um, and a completely reusable like dish scrubber. Mm-hmm. It's made out of sustainable bamboo and stainless steel. And the top of it you can completely wash it, put it in your dishwasher and it's completely reusable. And I have an extra top, like you can slide the top out and put the top in of like a brush. Um, That's something I use every day. I got it through that subscription service and it's fantastic. Um, Another product that I got, it's another dish product. It's a, um, a scrubby. 
it looks like curled up spaghetti, but it's made out of um, recycled peach pits. And, Interesting. And it, it never smells. It lasts for three to four months and it is stronger than the scrub daddy, mm-hmm. which is a very popular scrubbing sponge to get things off. Um, and I went through and went, once I got that, I went and bought um, four boxes of the scrubbies to give to my family for the holidays. I'm like, these never smell, they never stink and they work so good. (laughs) So things like, and they're, they have, it's completely compostable. We compost, it's completely sustainable. They're low maintenance packaging. Um, it, 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 again, I'm picky. Right. I'm not afraid to say it. Because not only do, I mean, the amount, I have yet to find an eco-friendly deodorant that works. Mm-hmm. Can't find one. I'm, I'm still with the deodorant that I, I use like the ultimate clinical deodorant. I've, I'm sorry. I can't. Mm-hmm. So there's just I, some products that not an option good enough yet. There's not an option good enough across any board, whether it's the I'm trying to eliminate fragrances for my own skin health. I'm trying to eliminate um, colors and dyes um, because of the proven impact of those on children. Mm -hmm. Um, Many of the foods marketed to children these days have um, toxic levels of dye, Um, ones that are banned in the UK. Um, that are banned by not just like a, a township, or, but banned by their food regulatory system. Mm-hmm. Um, that you can look at the same box of Fruit Loops and from you know, say France and our Fruit Loops, and you look, you put the labels next to each other, and they're completely different, and they're both made from by the same manufacturer and company. They just choose what they put in it because of what is allowed. Allowed there. Mm-hmm. That's scary almost. Yes, it, it is. Which is why I've moved on to the education space in, into environmental education. Um, our nonprofit that I had the podcast for is called Love the Green Life. And we talk about a lot of these things on how to discuss this stuff um, with your family, mm-hmm. um, how to budget for it, how to talk about it with your kids, because this is a touchy subject. You don't want them going to school and saying, you know, that ravioli will make, you know, will do something horrible to you. Oh, oh my gosh. Like, no, we need to be kind. So we talk a lot about how to, how to navigate that and how, when your children maybe have alternative diets due to health or by choice, like gluten-free, dairy-free, we talk about how to, how to do those situations and how to live holidays as a family and, mm-hmm. and things like that, because it's a very lonely consumer space. <laughs> yeah, it is. What about clothing? Do you mm. go after sustainable clothing? You already mentioned dyes, but that was related to foods. That was mostly related to food. Um, we shop mostly secondhand. That's number one, because right now there is enough clothing to clothe the world mm-hmm. right now, already here. Um, so that's always first. Um, we live in Northeast Ohio. So that means a lot of specialty weather clothing, like boots, snowsuits, gloves, hats, and these aren't the cute ones that you can get at a dollar general. You need something that actually is going to protect the skin and things. So um, what I've been able to do is join like 
mom groups where we do like large purchases through um, like outdoors, man, outdoorsman manufacturers that like, if you have a big group order, they'll give you a certain discount. Mm-hmm. So I've been a part of purchasing groups that way through Facebook. Um, that's one way. Um, that's how I got all of our things with, through the company Owaki. Um, and I buy a lot of things on, off Mercari, which is a kind of like an eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, but What's it's, it ha- but they're at Mercari, M-E-R-C-A-R-I. It's a resale. Um, it's like a resale platform app. Okay. And uh, that's where I've been able to get a lot of my sustainable clothing because I feel like I'm getting kind of a double punch where I'm not only buying secondhand, but I'm buying the organic um, vegan brands that I like, like Pact, P-A-C-T, mm-hmm. um, that would be a little bit over my price range normally. However, I'm able to get things, you know, off a resale site, basically. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Secondhand route. Abs- absolutely. And again, I live near, um, I, I live in Akron, um, which is a major city. We're 45 minutes away from Cleveland. Um, and I think that has a huge impact because there's a lot of availability there. Mm-hmm. There isn't just one um, resale shop. There's vintage and resale shops all over. Yeah, that helps. It really does kind of affect your buying habits where you live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um but I, I've seen a lot of really great things with people that sell their clothing and their items through like ThreadUp or those resell kind of apps. Um, that's where I get a lot of my kids' clothes because you can buy lots. Oh, okay. Let's talk a little bit about marketing. Okay. What sort of marketing do companies do that, that you like or that you don't like? Okay. Um, I really like when... They speak to me as a consumer, um, address me (laughs) and say, Hey, you know, number one, just give me updates on when things are arriving. A lot of my purchases that happen online, I want to track it, know when it's coming. Um, that's pretty important, but when it comes to like eco-friendly marketing, a lot of it is a, you got to go through a lot of wackawoo. And when I say (laughs) wackawoo, I mean, like, if you go to say an Instagram reel and it's this girl in tight, hot yoga pants, like doing this and I'm pushing my hands together in a prayer position mm-hmm. and she's like bowing to a tree and then it's dishwashing detergent. Oh, that's fun. Um, I'm an eco-conscious person. I'm in t-shirt. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond to a 20 year old, um, bending backwards and telling me that I need this vegan mascara. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -mm. It's not quite going to fly, but what I do respond to are, um, active consumers that really display the disparity in products and items with facts and content that is extremely transparent. An example of someone who I follow is this woman called Vani Hari, V-A-N-I-H-A-R-I. She, her nickname is the food babe, which that makes me cringe a little, but 
that's her name. That's what she has. She was one of the pioneers of getting the orange dye out of Kraft macaroni and cheese. Okay. Yeah. I've heard about that. Okay. She was the um, pioneer mother <laughs> and that um, spearheaded that. And now she is in that space. Um, she's a good person to peek at because she will show you label one, label two. Okay. And then you can make your own conscious decision. She doesn't um, demean products. She doesn't say these are evil doers and we must, you know, slay the corporate giant. <laughs> no, we just need corporate giants to do better. <laughs> and I really love that respect that she has for the capitalist space and consumer space that we are in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of eco brands go the wrong way in being um, so uh, let me think. They try to live off of this like hippie vibe mm-hmm. when some of us just live in regular towns with regular kids we have you know stuff piled up on our chairs that we haven't sat on in three days like we're not going to, you know, yoga retreats Mm -hmm. and I'm not, you know, kissing my crystals under the moon at night. Um, (laughs) because I feel, I feel like, I, I I feel like a lot of the eco-conscious space, they think that's the cusp, that's the consumer, Mm -hmm. not somebody who's really real in here. And listen, I just want my kids to, have things that are going to help them learn and grow and hopefully um, let them thrive and my family as well. So yeah, I could tell you a lot about, I could probably sit through one person's feed and go, no, no, no. Um, because I, I, they're, I, who they're speaking to isn't their actual consumer. The person that actually has the money to buy some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it seems like to me from what you said earlier that when it comes to conscious consumers, just regular old people, they want to make the decisions themselves based mm-hmm. on knowledge rather than, like you said, the performative marketing, mm-hmm. like showing the label side by side. So you can make yeah. the decision rather than, I guess, being told. Exactly. And right I, one. and I think most people respond to that approach. Um, most people, they don't want to be told by this or else. They don't want to be spoken um, to in a way that insults their intelligence. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think the more transparent um, companies can be, um, the better we all are for our own knowledge and choices, especially now when we still are feeling like we can't have an impact and we still feel like our purchasing power can mean something. Um, the companies that have made the switch to be more transparent are the ones that are going to do well as our economy goes on and as the environment uh, reacts to everything that's going on with it. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So you mentioned that you have a subscription to an eco-friendly, is it a marketplace? It's called, um, it, it, I think, there's a similar one that's a food program. This one is strictly eco-conscious products. It's called Mighty Nest. 
Um, it's and just it's not food based. No, it's um, $9.99 and they send you one eco-conscious product, a little recyclable postcard about it. And it is in the least amount of packaging possible. Um, and it's safe to say every product that I've received, either I've used and then repurchased mm-hmm. or it's been an excellent gift for someone else. It's maybe just not something that I would use or, you know, something about, I think we got something along the lines of like canning and like repackaging or something. And I pass those on. I think we got some refrigerator deodorizers and I'm like, ah, here you go, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm kind of good on those. So, um, I think that's the, and it's the, one of the only subscription services that I keep, Mm -hmm. um, again, for thrift purchases for be trying to be thrifty and trying to not waste a lot of money. Um, but it helps keep me in the loop of trying things and, uh, helps me see where some companies are going. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of wrap up, you know, what advice would you give to someone in the sustainable product space mm-hmm. for, for reaching people like you? Oh my gosh. My first thing is to for, find us. We're lovethegreenlife.org. We're a nonprofit organization and we definitely, we'd be happy to talk about your product and how you source them. Um, we've said no more than we've said yes to people as we've chatted things up. Um, however, I think reaching out to your local community gardeners, for example, reach out to, we have a master gardeners program in Northeast Ohio that is longstanding with a lot of old, not old, elderly and gardening people with a lot of time, man, they could sit and talk to you and let you know. So I think reaching out to the people, the type of person that you want to purchase your product. So if you really want to sell to the yoga studios and the people wearing those yoga pants, um, which I enjoy yoga and Pilates thoroughly go to those studios um, go where those people gather, go to those tea shops, those, the hookah bars, (laughs) um, find out where your consumers are hanging out. Um, I'm in the vintage space, so I'm constantly at street markets and farmers markets and, um, just different, you know, neighborhood block festivals and things like that. So that's where you're going to find, I think a lot of those types of consumers, I think you just have to know who they are and find <laughs> right, know who they are. And then mom groups are a great per- place to go. If you could find like the natural mom groups, hiking, there's hike, like mom hiking groups. Mm-hmm. I know I was in a mom and me um, hiking group when my kids were, were both little and we'd meet little moms and hike and, you know, we'd have our snacks out and, <laughs> and right. that's a perfect example to hit the main purchaser of baby and toddler food right there because then I saw what other moms and dads had and go, what's that? What's what I got? You know, it, it, it's word of mouth that way. All right. And thanks again to Natalie for being our guest. You can find a link to her website in the show notes and be sure to subscribe for more content and insights on our Substack, the real heroes of e-commerce. See you next time.